KNC Masterpiece right here on 105.3 The Fan. And to answer Mike's off-air question, I'll say six or seven, is who was your overlooked slash surprise contributor for the Cowboys this season? 877-881-1053 as clearly the Cowboys season is over. And what? We're still a good 10 days away from the Super Bowl. Who jumps to mind for you guys? Because there was four guys I've kind of, I'm not sure which one of these Cowboys players to pick. Um, I mean, I think if I think my two or I have two of them. They're on the offensive line. Uh, Terrence Steele. You didn't know like how good of a run blocker he was until there were no more combo blocks from yeah. him and Zach Martin. But I thought Tyler Biotish was. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I heard G Bag say it a couple of different times. That was their most improved player on the team this yeah. year. And so I think that Tyler Biotis, the center position, goes very unnoticed, very unsung hero type thing. And I think that Tyler Biotis was uh, he was the centerpiece for it. You got you were better whenever you had him on the field, and he's gr- he's finally grown into that spot. Uh, I hope that he's around for a very long time for this team because that it's it's really nice to have a, a player at that position that the snaps are clean. Uh, the 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 blocks are there, and and he grew into it very well this year. So I'm going to go with uh with old Tyler Badass. If if we could stick with him for just a second, I definitely think you're right about the surprise factor for Terrence Steele. But I was glad as the season went along, it felt like he got his due. You know what I'm saying? Like it felt like enough people were like, "Holy crap, we were smart to get rid of Lyle Collins for Terrence Steele." Tyler Biotish. I don't feel from a lot of places got that love and appreciation. So I, I think Tyler Biotis can fit in both of those categories. That was one of the one of the people that jumped into my mind for sure. I think that's a great selection. Yeah, and, and the Terrence Steele part of it too is that, uh, you know, the run blocking was effective. Oh, like yeah. when you started, you didn't, people were like, hold on, why are they running for big yards right now? And that's whenever people really started to say, okay, what's the reason that these numbers are doing this? Why is Tony Pollard breaking free? And that's because Terrence Steele and, and Zach Martin were doing something special over there. But Biotic, I, I think just because of the growth, you know, we had Travis Frederick for a long time, and and he was he was so good at what he did. And then you just kind of expected, well, the center position, it's just going to step back in there. It takes a little time, but I thought Biotic really cleaned that up for us this year. This is a good question because a lot of people have entered my mind. I'll lean towards Leighton Vander Esch. Uh, I think he's – yesterday as people were complaining about Leighton maybe not making plays behind the line of scrimmage, or I just think Leighton Vander Esch had a really good year. Yeah. And I don't know how much long-term money he's going to get because I'm sure yeah. teams are worried about his injury history, but I think somebody's going to give him a pretty good short-term contract that I just don't know if the Cowboys are going to be willing to match because of the injury history. And I and I did I did you also feel like then to Mike's answer, it took a long time for people to appreciate that. And a part of it is because of how much baggage comes along with LVE, but I feel like it took a long time. Even when he was playing well, I still heard like, yeah, those plays are made so far away from the line of scrimmage. And I felt like for a lot of the season, people were like, meh. There were a lot of times where people would have one play that they would be like, see, that's Leighton Van Der Esch. And then you're like, but you just missed like 90% of the other plays 
where you didn't even think about his name being involved because nothing bad happened. Yeah. And you're like, well, but nothing great happened. And you're like, man, but that's the great players are doing the great things. He needs to do certain things in the middle that stop and stuff and keep things from happening while the other elite stars are pressuring. This guy's taking advantage of it. So, yeah, I, I don't think I ever really truly appreciate LV enough. Honestly, I was wondering if Deron Bland falls in your in the name for you, Kevin. Yeah, from the from the four six nine, that I definitely think that's a fair point because, man, as much as we lament about missing a a cornerback, like I totally get all that. What if Deron Bland was Joseph or Wright? Like, what would everybody have thought then? Okay, great, just. You put whoever the hell you want across from Trayvon Diggs. We don't care because we're going to spray all across the rest of the field and make you look foolish. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I get it with all of the injuries is people harped of other cornerbacks. But if Rod Bland is no good, holy crap, do you have a lot of problems. Yeah, man. And to the point that you're actually feeling pretty confident at the position next year because of the way that he played. Now, you know, and do you move on from Anthony Brown? And Jordan Lewis comes back, and where does he land on all these things? So there are a lot of questions about about what you can do because Deron Bland stepped up. Whereas Kevin, they were hoping that it would be Ryder Joseph yeah, that sure. would be that that next guy up. And so now those guys, when it comes to competing for a spot next year, they have to fight. Otherwise, they're spending another year on special teams, or maybe not here at all. No, exactly. I'm, I'm with you. I and I know the Cowboys have a really good draft record as of late is I can't help but think, Corey, is I'm like, okay, hold on. You have Trayvon Diggs. He's obviously awesome, except for tackling sometimes. And then you feel good about Deron Bland. Jordan Lewis will be coming back with one more year in his contract. And Joseph and Wright are, I'm not I'm not even you saying imagine? you have to be, like, really good. If they're solid, you're like, holy crap, yeah. we've got some depth. See you later, Anthony Brown. Thank you again for all of your time. Okay, now also in the defensive backfield, I've seen this name from the 817-214, another 817, Donovan Wilson. I feel like Donovan Wilson is a... He's your hero. I, I do like Donovan Wilson. But, uh, but, there you go. But I do feel like at least Donovan Wilson got the love that maybe some of these people didn't. Like, I'm with you. I don't think LVE already always got the love. We got another person coming up in just a second that definitely didn't get the love outside of the Metroplex. But Dak. I Maybe. is I, I feel like Donovan Wilson got the love and appreciation for what he does. So much so that when he leaves, I think it's going to hurt. Yeah. Uh, I you like he's leaving? I do. This Why? Is, he's a free agent? I just think he's going to be too rich... Or he's going to end up making more money than the Cowboys, I guess, traditionally seem to or generationally seem to value this position. Do you think he'll be the same player anywhere else that he is here? No, absolutely I won't. Because I, I push for Donovan Wilson because, and I know some people have been like, oh, he's not the greatest cover guy. I can concede that for sure. But the way they use him as a blitzer as well, I think is astonishing. The way he goes at every tackle like it's the game-winning Super Bowl tackle (laughs) is kind of terrifying. I I do not think he will be as effective, just like I don't think Jaron Curse would be the same level of effectiveness, which is why, you know, I like having him here. Yeah, and I mean, that's like the what you're saying about this roster. Now, do I believe Dan Quinn and Will McClay can work together to find more pieces that can do some of these things that they want to do? Absolutely, because Dan Quinn took A, J. Ron Curse, 
and has done what he's done with him and made him a mismatch. He's taken Micah and said, you know what, I thought this guy would be a good linebacker. Let's make him an edge. You know, like, and sure. then you have all these other little pieces that you're like, oh, I thought we could do this, but he saw something different in them. So maybe I don't. I think Dan Quinn gets the love too. I was trying to think of coaches, Kevin, that didn't get maybe didn't get the love that they deserve. Our ex offensive line coach. Yeah, I kind of throw Al, Al Harris in that mix too, working with the secondary. Uh, you know, across the board, turning Trayvon Diggs into a different cornerback. Bland growing into what he was. So I think maybe Al Harris didn't hasn't gotten as much love yet, but he'll he'll start to get it soon. Uh, this is the person what I about Jerry Jones. No, stop it. Not enough credit, Mike. I think yeah. you got a good point he here. Didn't ruin, look, I mean, the Eagles are ruined two to three years from now by trading <laughs> for AJ Brown and signing good free agents. <laughs> where the Cowboys in 2026 are looking great for the future. I mean, which is so dumb too. Because Eagles I, only have two first round picks this year. I hate that argument too because you know what. This Dallas Cowboys team cannot win more than five games for the next eight years if they win the Super Bowl next year. I, it'll suck, but I'll be like, you know what? It's all worth it. From the 214, I thought you might pick this one, Mike. I really did. Okay, I had other people in mind, so I'm interested if they read my brain. Tyler Smith was very him. surprising. We were all questioning him as a first-round pick, and he proved himself. And, Corey, I don't know if you're like this, too. I do not feel at all that Tyler Smith outside of the Metroplex got any love. No, I think we looked at all the uh, all the the sites that were suggesting, yeah. you know, here's rookie of the year, here's your best rookies this year, and Tyler Smith, who got thrust into multiple different positions and multiple roles on this team, uh, nationally wasn't getting talked about. And like I do one, one guy did. Didn't Baldinger come on the fan yeah. and talk about how he's a beast and they got another great uh, lineman in the first round? So I think there was – to your point, Corey, you're right, but I just remember Baldy coming on, and and he was the one guy who gave him love. Mm-hmm. And and it's just like we talked about this time and again. If you told me going back, Tyron Smith's going to be hurt Tyler, about like a week and a half before the season. Tyler Smith's going to pop out at left tackle. I'd have been like, oh, crap. Well, and I mean, even take that back further. Day of draft, how many of how many people were like, can't wait for this guy to get on the field. Uh, a yeah. lot of people were like, "Hold on, what? Who? Where? Yeah. Tulsa? What?" And, and it was the constant, guard? like all the all the holdings. Like he, we just drafted another holding king, and then they he goes out there and he has he still had penalties. He used, looked like a rookie at times, but he was a very he. If you can say that that's going to be an anchor of your offense for a long time, I'm feeling pretty good with his physicality and his ability to go forth. From the four six nine, Dorrance Armstrong. He had eight and a half sacks. Demarcus Lawrence only had six. I'd say Dorrance Armstrong was definitely a, uh, a surprise. And I'm not using this answer to, like, dog uh, tank by any means. I just, I think if you look at what Dorrance Armstrong did, it was impressive. But maybe most importantly for this franchise, who I think is bad at negotiating, he, got, he signed a two-year, $13 million contract. And he's bringing you eight and a half sacks. That is value. This year, he counted against the cap $3.4 million. That ain't value that this franchise normally excels at. I think Dorrance Armstrong is a great selection. Well, maybe, Kevin, like, I mean, they drafted him. He did not play much in his rookie contract, right? He was just kind of there, sure. although the Joneses talked about him. For like three years, they've been telling us about this, right? Maybe four. Maybe that's the plan. Uh, just like Tony sign. Pollard. They're like, hey, don't play these rookies very much. 
we'll just pay them later at a cheap price because nobody else will know who they are. Nobody knew who Dorrance Armstrong was outside of the Cowboys. It's so weird, too, because if we're, we're not going to sell all out, why not? Like, how much of a waste has Tony Pollard been? Like, I'm not kidding you there. Is I think he could have been doing this stuff for three years, and we're like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to steadily increase his playing time so he really shows out right before he's about to be a free agent. That's dumb. Mm-hmm. The whole... The whole logic of Choppy the, says he's our Sherman Williams. Yeah, God, that is just terrible. He provides us all him. the paint. Yeah, is we need to talk about that cross tomorrow. Is that's one of the reasons you draft these people? Sure, you hope they develop and are awesome with your franchise for a long time. But the whole point is cheap labor force, right? Is you get these people at the cheapest they'll ever be if they're any good on your team for four to five years. And the Cowboys, we did the same thing with Demarcus Lawrence. We sat around and we we're like, you know what? Let's burn at least half of that before we really get anything out of you. For Pollard, they're like, let's burn three quarters of that. That'll show them. That's not smart. No, not at all. Although, that, isn't that how most of the the world looks at labor, Kevin? Is they're trying to find the way to get the cheapest labor and get the most out of yeah, it? Yeah, for sure. Like, Except for the Cowboys. Well, yeah. We, <laughs> I would love to work for the Cowboys is most corporations are like, I'm going to use you up and then find somebody younger or cheaper. The Cowboys are like, well, hold on. You just got I older. might still try to use you up or not use you at all. And then I'll give you a raise so I can brag about how many homegrown people we have working for the Cowboys. Sounds great. There's yeah. no expectations for winning. And they're probably going to give you a disproportionate raise because they drafted you. You're, you're like a fine wine. You're just waiting to be, uh, get your bottle popped. Oh my gosh. That, is that a phrase that uncorked? people use? You're waiting to get uncorked. And by the way, one more for you. I know this one might kind of seem like a no-brainer. It's Cooper Rush, right? Like, what did he, what did he do? He I lost the game to Philly. Uh, he did, but he also, among other things, among other people, he kept your season afloat. You tell me, going back to the regular season, Dak's going to be out five games, and I'm like, oh, my God, what did we do in those five? Four and one. Get the hell out of here. There's... Way I would have believed that. If he'd have gone five and zero, I'd give him more credit. But okay. losing to Philly really is the the straw. So are you good with moving on from him? No, I mean in this case, I guess go ahead and move on from Dak and just roll out the Cooper Rush machine, man. Let's make this the the big red machine here in DFW with <laughs> Pete Rose. <laughs> And Joe Morgan? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> you, you know we're getting some autographs out of that. We're the KNC Masterpiece right here on 105.3 The Fan. Coming up next, the segment we were not, we didn't steal. What? It was gifted to us. Like a horse. By the get right. If they did make a movie about the Cowboys or just Jerry Jones, who do you want playing Jerry Jones in said movie? 877-881-1053. We'll do it next. And Mike likes it as part of the lunch rush on 105.3 The Fan. KNC Masterpiece back here on 105 through the fan. Thank you very much for jumping into the lunch rush as part of the expressway with us today. We got Mike likes it coming up in just a bit, but first, thank you for doing those noises for it is this is a genius segment from the get right that they have gifted to us. We did not steal it. It was gifted to us, but that's why you definitely need to listen seven to 11 PM right here on the fan. If, a movie were to be made. <laughs> that is a mean answer. Some people are already sending in mean answers. I'm sorry. If a movie were to be made about the Cowboys or Jerry Jones' life in particular, probably the later part, who would you want to play 
Jerry in this movie? Well, I think Idris Elba can do anything. <laughs> We'd su- I agree. We'd submitted Forrest Whitaker earlier, and I would Dude, be all about that. Think about think about Idris Elba as Stringer Bell, just with billions of dollars, yeah. and tell me that that wouldn't. Okay, work. wait. You're telling me you think Jerry Jones is Stringer Bell? No, just I'm taking that He's level smart. of of uh, of cutthroatedness, and also like. I didn't realize people were doing that behind my back kind of stuff going on. Like, th- there's a lot to deal with. He with- took more than the intro level course at the community <laughs> college. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. he, he knows what's up. What's really sad is I'm not sure if I'm sadder that this was the answer or that I immediately knew who they were talking about. From the 214, that guy that plays the Emperor in Star Wars and stuff, Ian McDermott. Is who that is. So I'm not sure if it's sadder that that's a mean answer or I immediately was like, oh, I know who that is without having to like look it up. That's probably yeah, no, a sad I, reflection of my life. No, dude, you you like movies, bro. It's okay to like movies, man. Like what you like. Except like like more things too, like flavor. Like that's something that we <laughs> yeah, really do be beg helpful. of you. Also, is this technically Masterpiece Theater? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, do we have to do the intro? It's your time to shine, Waddle. Here comes them dancing. Turn on the Twitch as the dancing happens. Welcome to another edition <laughs> it's just being of fancy. Masterpiece Theater, where we discuss theater with you. And now, two guys who know absolutely nothing about theater, Corey and Kevin. That's me with monocle and a cane or a walking stick like Mr. I added Pina. twirling my mustache. Oh yeah. I think I think Ed Harris is one I just saw that like makes a lot of visual sense. Ed right? That he he kind of has that shoulders are high oh. uh look to him with the he can pull off the short hair and you know, that kind of haircut. Corey, you know he can do the role too. Because he was the guy in Truman Show that ran everything behind the scenes. I'm not oh, saying that's yeah. like right now, but you remember that. Yeah. He can totally do that. That's a good Ed vote. Pull it I off. think Ed Harris might be the guy. I think Mark good. Cuban would be a good pick. He's way more Jerry Jones than anybody thinks. <laughs> I agree with that, actually. I don't know about, does he have acting prowess? I feel like yeah, I saw him on Entourage Shark or something. And Sharknado. <laughs> was he in Sharknado? Yeah, he was. Oh, my my initial vote was going to be uh, Brian Cox from Succession. He's uh, yeah, the, he's the linebacker the, who had the big neck no, brace. No, not, not him. He is the patriarch of the Succession family, and I feel like... 25% of that show is written yeah, after the Jones I family. definitely feel like there's some carryover well, in the I, family. He, and he definitely pulls off the rich... Um, I'm trying to come up with the word, uh, you know... Rich business owner. Are you trying to not say a mean word? Yes, I'm trying to say something too mean. But like you kind of like that's what that that role has to do some things, has to say some things that you're like, oh man, I can't believe he just said that. And that dude definitely has the ability. Kevin, I watched that show. I haven't seen the last uh, two seasons. Last season. I was going to say, I, there's only two seasons. So remember, I when, also haven't watched the last two seasons. Yeah, remember <laughs> when he like was like, hey. Y'all fight for a sausage over there, little piggies. And all those guys were, like, fighting for the sausage and everything. Like, that was a weird scene. But you're like, only rich people can pull something like that off. Oh, maybe there are three seasons. My bad. You know what's really weird about Succession? You're right, Corey. 
I thought it was weird when I found out that this show was like winning awards and stuff and was up for awards. I thought everyone just liked it because it was kind of dumb and trashy, but it was super fun. And then I found out, I was like, no, it's up for- Cinema. Yeah. It's intense, dude. It's yeah, intense, they were like, no, it's up for Emmy for best show. I was like, oh, for real? That's weird. I was thinking if Super William fun. Shatner could pull off a uh, like a, a, a voice, but I don't think he does. I think he's just William Shatner all the time, so he's not a good enough actor to do this. And this is where Reggie really threw me for a loop, because Reggie was like, is he a good enough actor to do it? Every time I would throw a name out, he would say, is he a good enough actor to pull this off? Because the thing is- about Jerry is, like, you're not just playing, like, rich dude. You're playing rich dude from Arkansas with, like, the charisma and, like, kind of the, the, yeah. the quippy, witty kind of side that Jerry brings. And all of that is not the easiest thing to balance. Who's your vote, then? Or who are you thinking of? Corey, you didn't mention the name. Um, I'm looking right now. I, I think... I, I like Gene Hackman as an option, uh, oh. although although he does seem a Four little passes. more. <laughs> yeah, he did do the replacements, Coach. He was Great a movie. I thought you were going to bring up Tommy Lee Jones, though. Well, I did say Two Tommy face. Lee Jones, but then Reggie convinced me that Tommy Lee Jones is basically just the fugitive actor in every other movie. His and his Ooh. deliveries are stone cold. Like, his funny joke deliveries are never, like, with tongue-in-cheek. His funny joke deliveries are deadpan, and then you just laugh, and he walks off still grumpy. So that And that's just not Jerry. Maybe Dick Van Dyke. Like, Dick Van Dyke has the ability to be like, hey, but also look serious at times. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I don't think think he's still with us. Dude, I don't know the answer to all the questions. Oh, he's still with us. Oh, yeah. How old is he? Bring me the head of Dick Van Dyke. Don't say that. That feels like that'll end up in a listicle or something. (laughs) Whatever dumb. Yeah, whatever. I'm happy now. Dick Van Dyke is still with us. That made me happy. Hey, does that mean Reggie's going to be a downer one day? If like, Well, I mean, he's 97. I don't feel like it's a controversial thing to be like, someday Dick Van Dyke is going to die. I'm looking at some of these other older Never. actors that kind of go into it. What about Christopher Lloyd? He's quirky. I, what have you seen Christopher Lloyd in lately, aside when he uh, from when he started that uh, uh, Modern Family and all that? I think those are two different Christopher Lloyds. Just can't really, have two different Christopher Lloyds. Record? Not, you don't do that. Wait, is this is this Doc? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I could see him in that role just because I haven't seen him in like a. Does he do serious movies? Does Chris? He's he's huge on Twitter, by the way, right now. Really? He is. Yeah, he he's like uh, he's he came to Twitter and was like, "Hey, look, I saw that a lot of people liked Christopher Lloyd, uh, so I'm here to be on Twitter and to like say some nice things or talk about some things as Doc and all that stuff. Maybe he could pull this off. What about Clint Eastwood? I'll let you decide. No. For your, I don't know, man. I could play you an interview that Clint with Eastwood, a chair. Clint, e, nope. I could play you a Jerry interview where Clint Eastwood could get that to the T. What about our great, our greatest um, method actor from the four six nine, Daniel Day Lewis? Look, I believe you be anybody a hundred percent that Daniel Day Lewis could figure it out. I'm talking about Jerry. I'm talking about whoever. He could figure out a way. As long as if we could just work in, I drink your milkshake at some point <laughs> in the movie. I don't care what it has to do with the plot is I want to see that. Wouldn't he be a better Steven? Oh, yeah. He would crush it. As, although somebody suggested Kyle Chandler from Friday Night Lights, Coach Taylor from Friday Night Lights. 
I okay. I did not realize we had to do multi-tiered casting. If we're opening it up for Steven, I'm gonna have to come up with a different. List. Oh, I just was. I mean, these these are things that clearly I've been thinking about at least a whole day. Yeah. Um. So yeah. No, oh, if we're throwing Steven out there, I told you earlier, I want Jordan Peele uh, to be Steven, Stop and it. I want him to direct this movie. <laughs> I want him to Dude direct from- it. Get out from Key and Peele. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nope. Yeah, no. I absolutely want him. To, I think he could do it because I think he can deliver the lines. I and there's so much Key and Peele that I love. Like I just they can restage the handshake <laughs> bit for that movie. We could figure out a way to incorporate that. All right, this guy might go unnoticed and does and isn't known a lot, but because of Kevin, you and I watched a show called The Detour. All right, yes. and I loved The Detour. Do you know who James Cromwell is? Yes. I think James Cromwell could pull this off because I don't think he's the same guy and everything. And he was really funny in the detour with his delivery, even though the the like the humor that he threw out there wasn't, you know, always intentional. I thought he did a really good job. It was less Leslie Nielsen where it was like very slapsticky kind of humor, but also really good. I think Leslie Nielsen always was a big factor on I have to say something funny. But I can't for a second let the audience know that I thought it was funny. He, you know, he played that straight guy with funny stuff all the time. I'm really glad that you brought him up because my wife and I are watching Six Feet Under right now. Okay. And in, like, the back half of the series, he becomes a character. But I loved him in, like, L.A. Confidential. I'm guessing most people probably know him for Babe, right? I'm not 100%. <laughs> but I, Pig movie? Yes, the know, pig that's movie. Right. So I'm saying. Pig. If within a year or two you can be in Babe and L.A. Confidential, like you probably have like the bandwidth to be able to handle that. That that might be my new favorite. Although somebody said Kevin Costner, so like that would fit too because if they play different things that the Cowboys like to do and just a, a country music concert breaks out in the middle of it, that he won't be faced at all because of his time on Yellowstone. I don't. Go ahead. I hadn't thought about this one, but from the 972, they say Willem Dafoe. And I know that he has the acting chops to pull it off. I just, ooh, that's interesting. Yeah, I loved Aubrey Plaza's approach on that of, like, he looked like a lighthouse manager his entire life and then finally got to play <laughs> one. Uh, and, but that was a really funny joke. What? Okay, I've seen this guy with the Boston accent and Ray Donovan. I've seen him with lots of different accents. This is your favorite guy. But I'm not sure, like, I – John Voight, oh, I yeah. think, could pull this off. Angelina you, Jolie's dad. Were you thinking I was going to say Liev Shriver? A yes. little bit. Okay. I actually was. I actually, that might be interesting, too. But I think that John Voight could definitely, like, play this kind of character. It's just that, like, that dude's hair has been slicked back so long now. I don't know if he can, if he can like, uh, move it into a different direction. But, yeah, I think he, can, he might be able to do that. That dude's a good actor. Like, he's mm-hmm. just a, anything I've ever seen him in, I've been like, dang, he, does, he did that well. He got that character right. So I think John Voight's my leading, and then uh, Idris Elba. Holy crap. There's a picture from Rotten Tomatoes where John Voight actually looks like Jerry Jones. I will yeah. send this to you guys. We can, we can make this happen. Unfortunately, multiple people mentioned James Caan, or as one person put it, the dad from Elf, is <laughs> unfortunately he has passed away, and we're, like, focusing in on, I guess, live actors. Now we got the great news about... Dick Van Dyke Dick Van still Dyke. being alive. <laughs> Celebration, everybody. That's right. So, yeah, multiple people are with you, Corey, about John Voight. And could Michael Irvin play himself? 
Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, for sure. Michael Irvin showed that he can act whenever he was in The Longest Yard, maybe one of the greatest cinematic movies we've oh ever seen. That's playing Michael Irvin. Yeah. <laughs> we, well, is there any chance instead you want to see Idris Elba as Michael Irvin? And then Michael Irvin as Idris Elba? Yeah. Or oh, Michael Irvin. <laughs> Michael Irvin has to play He has to play somebody like uh, – he has to play Dion. I wonder uh, in all those dunking uh, spots he did in The Longest Yard what the rim was at. I know he could dunk back when he was in his 20s, but yeah, yeah. he's in his mid to late 30s when that movie comes out. Something like that. That sounds right. Like, I'm just wondering, obviously, he dunks the ball three or four times. I'm wondering if he's like, yeah, they put it at nine feet, and I did. I dunked a whole bunch on a nine-foot goal then. Before Ooh. we go, can I give you KG's answer? Yes. He went with Matthew McConaughey. Can you All see right. this? I can. Now, I, I still need to age Matthew McConaughey a little bit. Like, the physical part of it doesn't work for me. But the sound, the ability to deliver those types of lines, I think McConaughey could pull off that kind of personality for sure. It's just I don't see him. Like, I don't see them looking alike. We got this from the 469. So I looked up to make sure I got the name right. Do you know who Charles Dance is? Don't, uh, Tale of Two Cities? Don't Don't worry about looking it up. Better known as Tywin Lannister from Game of Thrones, man. That guy has the, like, power gravitas and the anger to hit that part. I'm not sure about his comedic yeah. chops as much, but, man, I could I could see that one for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, he was in The Golden Child. Did you know that? N- no. He was in The Golden Child and The Last Action Hero. Oh, uh, I do remember, now that you mention it, I do remember him from The Last Action Hero. Yeah, I could I could see him pulling that off. Who was his son, uh, Jamie? Are we going too old with all these characters? I mean, with with uh, with synthetics nowadays, can't we just create an old man? Synthetics? Yeah, that, uh, you sound very young <laughs> saying synthetics. Yeah. Um, Wait, what's the period of this movie? Yeah, that's a great question. Because my first thought was Sam Rockwell. Who has done kind of, he was in Vice, I believe. He has done some of those things. And I know that he's an incredible actor. And someone else last night brought up a person who played George W. Bush in W. Oh, Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin. Yeah, and my thought is, if you can do W, you can do Jerry Jones. Man, and we can win these people an Academy Award because there's nothing the Academy loves more than by using some of those th- synthetics that Corey referenced. I think he meant prosthetics. No, I understood. Okay. And then aging himself up or herself up. So, yeah, if we can if we can hit like 20, 25 years, we got an Oscar Wait, on our hands. How are we telling this story, by the way? Yeah, wouldn't like, the Jones family kind of sue if you started telling the Jones family story? Well, we'll have to work in cooperation with them. Well, then it's going to be a horrible movie. <laughs> and see if we can trick. No, all we got to do. <laughs> what? All we got to do, trick them. All we got to do is pretend like we're a Cowboys player and it's time for extensions. Mm. Then we'll get the Cowboys to give us everything that we want in the contract because that's usually how it goes. Charlotte plays Charlotte, right? Like, that's how we're rolling that one out. Charlotte's just the best. She'll just make everybody smile. Jessica Roberts, or Julie Roberts, rather. Jessica Rabbit? Is that what you just said? (laughs) No, Julie Roberts. That was weird. Okay, if you could have got me Jessica Rabbit, I would be in (laughs) on that. But, yeah. Man, what a prestigious movie we've got. We were we got whether it's John Voight or whoever, we got Julia Roberts in here. Maybe it's Sam Rockwell instead. Are you starting when the Cowboys are purchased? Yeah. And then going from there, are you yeah. gonna show his oil tycoonness or like how are you doing this? Uh no, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna show from when he bought the Cowboys to now if there's any way we could cast 
The Rock is Dak, then I'm really, <laughs> then I'm really, we He's got a picture. A before. We got a picture, my friends. We're going to make so much money. God, it's going to be amazing. Now we just need to know. I need to know a director. Uh, if you're a director out there, if you're a Tolo director, I thought let you said Jordan Peele was directing it. Oh yeah, I'm the, yeah, and playing Stephen Jones at the same time. Okay, we I get, still think that's odd. <laughs> I think it's a great idea. We're the KNC masterpiece right here on 105.3 The Fan, and now you can keep sending in your votes. We still got a lot to get to. <laughs> it's time for some Mike likes it. I think we found out quite a bit about our favorite Dallas Cowboy player right now through his tweet. And Micah Parsons yesterday said in his tweet, this is kind of about kind of rooting for the Eagles and go win one for the division. He said, you people are sick. You will sit in your own misery because of lack of accomplishments rather than root for others. I have no shame. The league is a brotherhood. I'll never pray down on another man's success, nor be ashamed to say I'm happy for my brother's success. And honestly, that sounds pretty good. Yeah. I'm not saying that's horrible. But what I think we found out about Micah Parsons, and I'd love y'all's opinion on this, Micah Parsons has never been a fan of a team. He yeah. did not grow up rooting for a team. Because I think even if, let's just say, the most common fan is a Laker fan, I feel like. Sure. like it's just like Or Cowboy, honestly. But let's just say you grew up a Laker fan. Well, then you probably have some hate for the Golden State Warriors right now, or you possibly have some hate for the Boston Celtics because that's kind of their long-term rival in the history of basketball. If you truly grew up a fan of a team, if you grew up a Kobe fan, you really don't care about the Lakers. You just cared about Kobe Bryant. And so I do think Micah Parsons, my opinion is, he's showing, I don't understand you people. What he's talking about you people is, fans of teams i don't understand how a cowboys fan is not rooting for the eagles because they're in your division not that you're rooting against the kansas city chiefs that like dude we just kind of root for everybody like it's not like why would you ever root against another team or another person and i'm like i kind of get it from micah parson's standpoint but i think it goes to show he never grew up, and this might be just the kind of era that we're about to enter into through social media that Micah Parsons grew up on Twitter, grew up on Facebook, grew up on Instagram, all the social media platforms. Is He's like, I never, I don't understand you guys rooting for just right. the Cowboys and then having teams you don't like as a Cowboys fan. How are you a fan of the Cowboys? Aren't you just a fan of me, or aren't you just a fan of certain people you like? Because I don't get, I can just tell he does not get how people root for teams. Yeah, I mean, he, he also grew up in Philly, right? Like in that area, Harrisburg. And I think when the Phillies won the World Series, like didn't he tweet about that? He was there and everything, and he loves Philly. So, like that's – and, Mike, you talk about this with your You're own – talking about back with like Roy Holiday and Ryan Howard? Uh, or maybe – I'm looking here. I mean, when, here. They lo- when they won the National oh, League? Oh, when they – there was a game they won uh, last year, 11-1. It was, it was November 1st. They won. Okay. And he tweeted a picture of him oh, on the a, set. they won a World Series game. I yeah, it. on MLB on Fox. And it says, Phillies win tonight. Thank you. And he, there's a picture. And then I think C.J. Gardner-Johnson tweeted, my guy wants to be an eagle low-key. And Mike, you like oh, I was so saying, you think he's an 
Eagles fan. He's like a he's a Phillies 76ers Eagles fan and that's why he's rooting for the Eagles. Well, I mean, he he grew up in that area. And yeah. this is like you grew up a, a Cowboys, Rangers, Mavericks fan, and then you've told us you went to go play elsewhere. You were drafted by another team and it kind of changed your perspective on on that a little bit because you had been elsewhere at that point. So I think that's kind of where he is. He's just living the, hey, this is how it always is going to be with So me. he's a silent Eagles fan. Kind of, I think so. That'd I be opposite so. of me because I would just tick off people in D.C. because I would just go on their radio stations and say, Art Monk's not a Hall of Famer. <laughs> just to tick him off because I was a big-time Cowboys fan in 2007, 2008. And... um He's doing the opposite. He won't admit he's an Eagles fan, but behind the scenes, he really is rooting for the Eagles because that's his favorite team. Well, I mean, that's a possibility. There is a very strong possibility. I understand what he's saying. Look, I anybody that plays in this league, I got respect for because we all play in this league and it's tough to get here. And so I think that there's part of him that has a lot of respect for anybody playing at the level, too, and anybody who plays at a greatness level. He's said that a number of times. I think his two favorite bas- basketball players are Steph Curry and Luka. And he's like, I just love greatness. Like, there's no way I can't just love and want to know more about what great players are. What, Mike, Kevin, why are you smiling like that? Just, it's off. It's Is it burping? Yeah. Oh, oh. But I couldn't tell because you kept your mouth your mouth shut yeah, and stuff. So I was like, "What is well, happening?" And I guess I knew Corey as a Met when I was a Met. You are not supposed to say anything good about the Braves at the time. The Braves yeah. were winning the division seven thousand years in a row. And yes, the Mets had been to the World Series in two thousand, but that was even as a wild card team because the Braves won the division every year. So it's kind of one of those things where you could say, "I respect the Braves," but if you ever said. Well, now that we're out of the playoff situation, I really hope yeah. the Braves win it for the division. Every Mets fan would have been like, are you crazy? And then our PR guy, um, Jay Horowitz, good guy, he would have been like, Mike, like I know you're not much on this team, but don't ever say you're rooting for the Braves in any situation. That does not help your status out with our fan base. And I How think, much did you care about that? Did you say that, okay, I won't, or did you say Well, I didn't care that? about the Braves at all. Okay, I mean, all right. if it was the Rangers, like, I don't, the Rangers really don't have a rival. I mean, let's be honest. They just haven't had a good enough franchise to have, like, a rival. I guess now you'd say maybe Houston after, when I played, Houston was still in the National League. But I don't think you would want ranger player to go man i'm really rooting for houston and the division and the playoffs and that's where i'm at right now is like i appreciate obviously michael parsons has the right to whatever opinion he wants but as a cowboys fan that also drives me crazy when he's like you people are sick i would never wish down it i'm just like i'm not wishing for anyone to get hurt or anything like that i am wishing up for the kansas city chiefs to defeat them because i hate the eagles I just I want and Micah Parsons, he's gonna be, as long as he's healthy, he's gonna yeah. be a Hall of Famer. Yeah. He's gonna be arguably the greatest defensive player in Dallas Cowboys history. At least he'll be right there with uh Bob Lilly and Randy White and I guess Charles Haley. You know, yeah. Charles wasn't here a long time. That's I, true. But you know, it's interesting because my father, who was around for Bob Lilly and Randy White, he says, you know, it's his opinion, but he's like, Yeah, Micah Parsons is the greatest defensive player I've ever seen in a Cowboys uniform. Wow. So I mean, I think 
there has to be longevity there, the way that Lily and White had the longevity, because I think those are the two greatest defensive players in Cowboys history. Yes, Dion was here for a little bit, and Charles Haley was here for a little and bit. I love but, Darren Woodson. And, right. Yeah. But um, And DeMarcus Ware, who's most likely this week. Is it Sunday that he gets announced? In? I think it's Saturday. Saturday. Hopefully we get the announcement while Ooh, we're... Is it next Saturday? I'm going to double check that. Yeah, I can't remember. But maybe we'll be out at uh, Texas Live doing football thing yeah on Paper. saturday fan bowl baby yeah, fan bowl on saturday at texas live maybe that'll be the day that demarcus ware gets into the hall of fame i always forget which the exact date is i just know it's before the super bowl yeah okay but, february 9th so it's a it's, so it's i this, believe it's in the a day week. before the super bowl it's in a week so it's a week from today yeah isn't the super bowl on the 10th no all right what day's the Super Bowl? The twelfth. Okay. All right. So <laughs> stopping down, Mike likes it. I was just answering your no, no, question. Good. No, no, no. It, no, I'm not. I'm not mad at you at all. I love you so much. Um, <laughs> oh no! <laughs> wow. Hold on. This he is the part where I get to go. Oh, no, no, no. I guess I'll just go home. Yeah. There you go. Pack it up, Kevin. Do I'll be here. You, do you think? I'm um, now. I have this question. Micah Parsons is rooting for the Eagles. Not that he's like hating the Chiefs. He doesn't hate the Chiefs, but that's his team he's rooting for because he knows those players, especially knows Lane Johnson, and is rooting for him. Do you think any of the Cowboys dislike the Eagles? Yes. Who do you think dislikes the Eagles? And is like, I hate the Eagles the way that, let's just say, Emmett and Troy and Michael hated the Eagles. Well, now I kind of have to take that back because it does. I feel like J. Ron Kurt. Nah, I don't know. But Donovan Wilson. I'm going to say Donovan Wilson doesn't like the Eagles. It would have to be someone who's been around long enough to, like, develop that hatred yeah. over, like, playing against them. So, like, my guess would be someone like Tyron or Zach, Zach Martin. Martin. Yeah. Tank. Maybe a little bit too, like because it. I think it's. It always feels like defensive players are more aggressive about how much they dislike the opponent. And I, I, I will say this too. Like, didn't Micah have to go up against Lane Johnson, and he's had to play. Like, he's had to battle against that guy. I know. Like, there was there was that one game when uh, when Dak was out, he went up against him, and then he, Lane Johnson goes out, and then Dak, uh, uh, Micah had himself a little bit of a game after that. So I think he respects common opponents that he has to go up against too until he defeats them all the way. But yeah, I think that like more maybe maybe Demarcus Lawrence doesn't doesn't really like the Eagles that much. All right, so now I'm going to change the topic, and I'm glad I have Reggie here because I know Reggie loves the NBA, and I have this question about the NBA right now, Reggie, for you. Okay. It seems like to me teams don't care too much about winning and losing basketball games right now. It's kind of like, hey, we we have to play 82. Let's just play 82, and let's just make the playoffs. I think there's a few teams that are obviously playing really well this year boston denver come to mind very quickly on two teams that understand maybe the regular season means more than just like we just have to get through it do you do do you feel the same way do you feel like today's nba player is just really i don't know how do you feel like the today's nba player is taking the regular season Oh, it's it's definitely I I get what you're saying. Like, there's definitely a, a portion of it where it's like, yo, this is a long place that we have to traverse. I think also because of the proliferation of the three point shot and how everybody's adopted it, we're seeing more like fewer high quality games where you have like yeah. both of the national games yesterday were blowouts where you had a team win by like 20, 30 points. 
um, at the end and honestly held that for a lot of the game. So I do wonder if it's just like, yo, the cost-benefit analysis of sometimes this gets out of hand. Sometimes you have injuries and nagging stuff that people are load-managing through. And so when you look at it, you go the scheduled loss, right? Which, I mean, has always been the case, but now we're a little bit more open with going ahead and leaning into that. But you know what I think really put the final nail in the coffin on this? Because, again, I think that there's there's been some lineage of this, but now it's maybe bigger than ever. Uh, how about the 73-9 and Golden State Warriors going and losing the championship? Right, because that was one of those, yo, winning in the regular yeah. season matters. Yeah. But then that entire season got in some ways devalued because they didn't win the championship. So people were like, oh, okay, cool. Like, we can win, do all this winning, but ultimately if we don't win the championship, it doesn't matter. And thus, doing all this winning in the regular season doesn't matter all that much as long as we get ourselves into a place where we don't have to play into this tournament. Yeah, and, and I feel like, I like what you're saying there, Reggie. I'm going to pass it to Kevin. I feel like when Dirk Nowitzki played and they were competitive, which would be 2000 through about 2012 yeah. is when they were a competitive franchise. Seeding meant a lot. I know that they lost as a one seed to the eight seed, but teams were working their butts off. I felt like if we don't become a top four seed, we really have no chance and really almost top three seed and we don't really have a chance to go deep in the playoffs and win it all. But I feel like every team now is like, who cares? Like, hey, we're in 10th spot one day. We're in 5th spot the other day. Who cares? It kind of strikes me of the parallel that you were just talking about with Micah Parsons, right? Because we're not a generate. We're a generation removed from, you know, Emmett, Troy, and the gang. Absolutely hated all those, but now here you are. Just like with the NBA playoffs, is you were like, it felt like at times live or die if you got that second seed versus the third seed because you're like, when we get to the semifinals, we need or the conference semifinals. Yeah, now you're going to Sacramento. Yeah, exactly. Or going to LA. Exactly. And it just, I think y'all are right. It doesn't feel that way at all anymore. And I think Reggie makes a really coherent point about the Golden State Warriors. And you're watching this play out right now with the Clippers, right? They have actively told us multiple times, don't care. We just want to load manage our players to the playoffs. We'll take our chances. It's money related. Players like players don't care because I mean, remember when LeBron lost and he was like, "It's fine, y'all can drive your tiny little Toyota Priuses or whatever your your Tercels, go park at your measly little house. I get to go home to my mansion. Uh, losing doesn't matter to me. Like, I really do think there is a disconnect of when the Roger Staubachs and Tony Dorsett's played Kevin, they played for what? 50 bucks a game. Sure. And like they were playing for right. pride more than anything else. And now it's like, well, I mean, oh, well we lost. Let's go get my massage and eat my caviar. It's just, it's weird to me. I'm like, am I just getting really old? <laughs> That's the fanciest thing. Am I've I just heard. getting like, I'm 45 years old. Am I, but I do feel like there's a disconnect now as a fan that these players aren't really taking these games very seriously. Like, tonight should be kind of a big game for the Pelicans and yeah. for the Mavs. And I don't think either team really cares about the game. They're just going to show up, like Reggie said, and it is the the game you play now. Jack up. each. There's going to be about 83-pointer shot tonight. It's like, if we win, big deal. If we lose, big deal. Well, Who Mike, cares? Your, your last point there gets me to a question that I'll leave you with this. Um, how much of this, because you were talking about how much, like, hey, man, is this because I'm old? How much of this is just, like, the play style? The play style feels more lackadaisical because it's like, 
looking for threes and just kind of putting up shots. Whereas like back in the day, it felt like you matter because you had to go bang in the paint with yeah. dudes to get buckets. I think you're really on to something because, and you say look for threes. Sometimes it's not even look for threes. Sometimes it's like, well, I got the ball. I'm behind the line. The hell with it. And it, it, it felt like I'm not talking about, like I'm not talking about the 87 Celtics and Lakers or anything like that. Good teams. I'm, I'm For sure. I'm saying even within the last six to eight years, doesn't it feel like it's gone from like, no, you don't need to like discern that this is a good shot for it to be a three-pointer. It's just statistically smarter to take this shot. I know I'm out of time, but my last thing is I was sitting with Hall of Fame basketball coach Phil McNeely, who used to coach at Duncanville. Wow. And we were watching uh, the game the <laughs> other day, and in the second possession for Duncanville, a kid uh, dribbled down one on three and jacked a three-pointer for a brick. And I looked at Coach McNeely and I said, I know I'm out of I know I'm not playing the rest of the game if I ever did that in 1995. And he's like, "Yep, the game has changed." Cuz I know Phil would have taken me out and said, "I hope you enjoyed that shot because that's the last one you got today." <laughs> <laughs> We're the KNC masterpiece right here on 1053 the fan. Coming up next, it's time for the C Block starring Corey Majors. Man, the concert I can't wait to go to Ooh. next Thursday at Radio Row and I think Michael Lombardi might be at a place where we want to eat dinner next to the fan.